Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. <laughs> and I'm Ginny. If you can't tell, that was a thinly veiled uh, Criticism. preview of <laughs> current thoughts on Angel. Big surprise. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right off the bat, I was excited to watch Buffy again because I'd taken like a you know a couple week break and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh right, I have to watch Angel. Do I have to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I got through it, but <sighs> yeah. I put it off till like right before we recorded this because I was like, well, I don't want to watch it before I have to. <laughs> I did it last night. For once, we, I watched both episodes last night and then this morning I got up. Allie, I did a really little exercise routine and ate breakfast and showered before we're recording, which literally never happens. I am always in my pajamas, uh, unshowered, having just eaten breakfast. Despite it sounds the like the first week of January. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> I think really it's just that, well, that's a little bit of it. There's all, I, you know, yeah. Um, Trying part of it things. also is like, it's the f- first, I feel like it's the only free weekend I have for a while. So it's like, let's, you know, do our things and be on top of it. That's how I felt yesterday. Although my solution was, I'm just going to watch a lot of TV and read yeah, like a, a you know, like a book that I've read a million times before that I know mm-hmm. will take me two hours and just kind mm-hmm. of like do nothing. I mean, that's pretty much what we did yesterday. I did finish taking down my Christmas decorations. So. I did that too. Yeah. Wait, what book have you read? What oh, I w- well, read? so I wasn't going to mention this because I've already retracted it, but I, <laughs> I noticed that there were, there was, um, new episodes of Anne with an E and, and I also knew it was the last, <laughs> no, I also knew it was the last season. So they're mm-hmm. not making any more big surprise cause they totally botched it. Um, Anyway, I still feel very Did correct you watch about it? my retraction. Um, you watched it? So I, I didn't watch it all the way through. I watched, like, okay. bits and pieces. Okay. I mostly just wanted to see where it ended up. You're like me in Fuller House. Yeah. I mean, I feel like yours is a little more acceptable, but whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, the most, the most frustrating thing, though, was, like, I was watching it, and I was like, there was potential here to be really great, but where, where they well, went wrong was just <clears throat> completely rewriting the tale. Like, mm-hmm. and I get the, Im- the impulse was, like, we're going to diversify it, and we're going to make it more representative of all the people that lived yeah. on Prince Edward Island at this time, and I totally understand that, and I also support it. What I don't understand and support is, like, completely rewriting the story in order to do that. Like, not Mm -hmm. even, like, inventing new characters, whatever, that's fine. But, like, making the established characters do crazy things, like, be 13 years old and sail around the world just so that Mm -hmm. you can meet someone in Trinidad and bring them back to PEI. Like, that to me is, like, did you have to go to such lengths? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. Anyway, I think I talked about that last time I ranted about this show. Um, okay, so what but I, you reread the book. Yeah, so I re- well, I reread books. the third book because okay. I, like, I wanted to see, like, so spoilers, at the end of the third season, because it's the last one and they're trying to wrap everything up because they failed at writing the show mm-hmm. that it should have been, they, like, got the main characters together in the last episode in a way that definitely doesn't happen in the books. And so I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go read the real way it happened. <laughs> I see, I see. Anyway. I really wasn't meaning to talk about that, but... <laughs> no, that's fine. I pushed you... I goaded you into it. It's okay. I, um... Uh, God, that, that was such a disappointment. Um, but yeah, that only took me, like, two hours, because it's not... It's not a long book. So, anyway. Okay. Okay. Well, we should get into it. I... I would like to keep this, you know, to a reasonable amount of time. I will do my best. Right. Yeah, I think we should save some space. And I do have things to talk about at the end. You know, I have my, I've got a recommendation at the end. I feel like you probably do too. I bet I know what yours is without you saying it. I don't know. Ours might be the same. No, it's definitely not. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. All right. Let's talk about Buffy. And then we'll... Rant about Angel. Yeah. I mean, fair warning. I hated this episode of Angel. It was worse than I thought it was going to be, despite a whole season of this lead up. So, like, if you don't enjoy when we crap on Angel, like, <laughs> you should pause and just leave after we get through Buffy. 
I don't know, I'm Jenny, try, it I tried, to me like you liked it. <laughs> I tried really hard. I've been trying really hard with the show. You know what? I haven't always honestly been trying that hard to like the show, but this one I really was like, is there anything redeeming? And I had one... I I have two minor things. Anyway, we should talk about Buffy first. Because Buffy was a lot more interesting. Yeah. um, So interesting to note, too, like something in this Buffy episode, like Buffy and Angel are clearly very out of sync in the area episodes right now. Um, So that's just a note that I noticed in this one especially. But... Okay. They must have skipped an episode of Angel. I think they must have skipped a few. Or skipped like Buffy I think Angel went on hiatus yeah, while Buffy yeah. continued to air episodes or something because and I, yeah. that's the only Actually, way it makes sense. And looking at the air dates, they didn't air in the same week. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense now. Yeah. Because in this Ish. episode, so this is Lies My Parents Told Me, um, mm-hmm. Willow does finally get the call from LA and like goes off to help restore Angelus's soul, although does not tell Buffy where, why and where she's going. So this episode is full of flashbacks, um, mm-hmm. which don't always bode well, but we start out with a flashback of Robin Wood, Principal Wood, watching his mother encounter Spike for the first time and fight him, and we see Spike kind of in the fight and leave. So we know that Spike was essentially hunting the Slayer, found her, and then as he did with Buffy, tried to tease out the moment when he would kill her which he did eventually kill her on the subway, as we've previously seen. So Principal Wood is, like, remembering all of this. And meanwhile, they've decided that Spike is a liability, and so they need to try to break the trigger that the first has put in his head. Um, So they come up with a magical doodad to do that and Mm -hmm. put it in his brain and... It isolates this trigger for Spike, which turns out to be a song that his mother used to sing him when Spike was human and a huge mama's boy and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of societal outcast, as we've also previously seen. And we see the after of this where Spike becomes a vampire. Drusilla turns him into a vampire. Spike has the brilliant idea to also turn his mother into a vampire um, she's dying of what appears to be tuberculosis. So, mm-hmm. you know, this demon spike apparently has an impulse to save her life by turning her into a vampire, but that turns her against him because, again, turns into a demon, and the demon is scornful of this, like, relationship that they had and also basically says everything that his mother apparently thought, which was, you know, God, like, why do I have to put up with you? Mm-hmm. Um so that's heartbreaking for new vampire Spike. Um, but he's remembering all of this while this <coughs> magical thing is like, you know, traveling through his brain, trying to isolate <clears throat> the trigger. And it doesn't really work. Um, so the trigger goes off. He manages to hurt Don. They decide to move him to Principal Wood's sanctuary, which turns out to be mm-hmm. his garage full of crosses nailed to the wall to... Mm-hmm. Well, they tell Buffy to isolate Spike while they're trying to work this out, but really Giles and Principal Wood have hatched a secret plan to kill Spike because they think that he's he's crucial to the first plans. Like, the first had told Andrew it's not time for Spike yet. Mm-hmm. So they think Spike is a liability not only because of the trigger, but because he's meant to be a weapon that the first is going to use against them. And Spike has this sort of conversation with Buffy while pretending he's teaching her a lesson that you know you weren't willing to sacrifice dawn but this is a different battle do you think you'd be willing to sacrifice any one of us if it came down to it in order to win the war and buffy says absolutely i would sacrifice myself or anyone if that's what it took to defeat the first and Mm -hmm. you know giles is a little bit like well what about spike and so Mm -hmm. buffy realizes what's going on they're stalling her she runs over to Principal Wood's house where Spike has actually gotten the upper hand and broken the trigger somehow himself and decided not to kill Principal Wood on account of the fact that he killed his mother. So he, in his mind, they're even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it. We get a yeah. lot of talk about choosing the mission yeah. overall. I feel like this one was a real mixed bag. I mean, in my memory, this is an episode that I really liked. And I think I mostly still like it, but I it's like it just is still suffering from kind of the same problems that most of the season season has suffered from. Like, 
I don't know, they're just not quite nailing the characters and the motives, I think, a lot of times in these interactions, which is a shame because, like, I really liked the flashbacks in this. Like, I actually think this story with Spike and his mom is, like, so interesting to me, and I think it's a good idea, obviously, to contrast that with, you know, Principal Wood and his mother and those relationships and kind of make this episode sort of have those two parallel stories, I think is, like, obviously on paper a really good idea. And for the most part, I still, I really like those, that aspect of the episode, I just feel like there are so many leaps of faith that they keep making us make that it's really frustrating. Like, I just, I, I buy that Buffy and Giles will have a conflict. I don't at all buy that this is the way it plays out, right? That Giles decides, first of all, that everybody always has been questioning Buffy on whether or not she can make the tough decisions is just so ludicrous to me because that is the essence of the show and of Buffy is like we've seen her make the hard decision since at least season two but I genuinely think since forever so like that that's the motive is just wild to me but really that like Giles teams up with Principal Wood who he barely knows to kill Spike who has been an ally for years now like I get their questions about whether or not Spike is you know, an asset or a liability. I think that is fine to ask, but to just say, oh, the reason he's around is because Buffy's so, you know, she's so in love with him that she can't see what's happening is just so, so silly to me. That I just can't abide that, right? Like, it doesn't track. She murdered Angel, like, and Giles has a throwaway line about how this is an angel. And I was like, it is the same exact thing. What you're accusing her of is is ridiculous. If they just were trying to convince her that Spike is dangerous, I think that would be a more reasonable argument, right? So that really lost me. Well, and when I say it doesn't track, also I mean, like, it doesn't track with Buffy's history, but also it doesn't track with the moment where right. they're acting like Buffy is being ridiculously obtuse about this where she's just ignoring the signs where all she's asking them to do is give Spike a chance to prove himself like yeah yeah they've they've written him off as an agent of the first but they've proven for the past month or so that he does seem to have the trigger kind of under control and also he has a soul now so they're they keep throwing all his past actions at him which is like well then how come you didn't throw all that at Angel like or Anya or or Anya Willow Well, we've also seen this before where a recently evil vampire has a soul. Like, it's exactly what happened with Angel in season three. So it's, it's, I mean, and they actually, I guess they didn't really give Angel a fair shake then either. That's true. Um, But it is a little weird to lay this all on Buffy being blinded by love or something when. I just think that's such a stupid accusation. But my, my thing is like, I feel like this episode tried to shoehorn, not shoehorn, like. I think there was space for both of these, but I think they're trying to draw a parallel between Spike's history and Woods somehow. For sure. Because they're the only two that get the flashbacks, but I'm not sure what the show is trying to say because they spend a lot of time (laughs) using Woods flashbacks to explain this, this idea that it's about the mission and the mission comes first and, you know, you're going to be discarded in favor of the mission, which is clearly something that we're supposed to think you know, four-year-old Wood also felt because his mother is like, you know, you need to go home and I have to do this. The mission comes first. Mm -hmm. And Spike, in a way, is also discarded by his mother, but for clearly different reasons. So I'm not sure what this show is trying to show us. I mean, I agree because that's also my my big, big critique. Like I said, I really enjoyed the flashbacks. Like, I thought they were fun and funny. I thought... It was good backstory on Spike. You know, I don't know. I mean, I love seeing sappy Spike. (laughs) I love seeing that version of him and kind of see, you know, how he transformed and whatever. I I think that's really interesting. And obviously the idea of a Slayer having a child is very interesting. So seeing Wood's flashbacks are also like, it's, it's good backstory. But the part where Spike... You know, I, I feel like this show wanted us to pretty much believe everything that all the conclusions that spikes come that spike comes to at the end and i just think those were so weird like i don't think the conclusion of this is that wood's mother didn't really love him and i don't also think it makes any sense for spike to conclude that his mother wasn't really herself that part that one that part was just like i was like okay in the same exact story they're telling us that demon spike still loved his mother enough that he wanted to save her 
right? And also that demon mother wasn't herself at all and didn't care. Like, so I just, like, it, were those okay, her true so, feelings or were they not? Like, I genuinely don't know. And I think that it's fine with me if this is Spike's coping mechanism, but it was just so weird to me that the show, I think, really tried to position it as the right answer. Because I think that's what broke the spell for him, was, like, the reason that that song had some sort of power over him is because it was traumatic and, like, an actual trigger for him. You know, like, an emotional trigger for him, so they were able to use it. And so, like, once he is able to, like, you know, have, like, a more healthy outlook on that, it doesn't work anymore. Right. So that's my so opinion. Here's my thing about that, though, and I'm so glad you mentioned this because the show is hinging this entire actual emotional growth moment for Spike of mm-hmm. breaking his trigger on an idea that continues to muddy, completely muddy the larger picture <laughs> yeah, of how exactly. this universe like, is supposed to work. So I thought it was really interesting that. The whole time we've been told since episode one, mm-hmm. and I know this is not the first time we've brought this up, but this really frustrated me because this is a great example of the show rewriting the rules to try to make it fit the plot. Because we've been told from day one that when you are when you become a vampire, you are no longer yourself, but you are a demon that has your memories. So they can act like you because they have all of your access to everything that you've ever thought or felt. Mm-hmm. But that is very different from the demon than feeling the things that you've ever thought and felt. Mm-hmm. So when Demon Spike, newly Demon Spike, is like, aha, I know a great idea. I'm going to turn Mother into a vampire and she can be with us always. Drusilla is rightly horrified by this. But also it <laughs> makes no sense because a true Demon Spike mm-hmm. should just have the instinct to kill his mother. Mm-hmm. And instead he doesn't. And so is this the demon talking or is this the demon with Spike's memories? And why is Spike's new demon a mama's boy for a mother that isn't the demon's mother? And then, and then in the same episode, the show does the exact same thing, Yes, but has his mother, instead of being gracious and, you know, continuing this relationship to her son decides to be cruel and tell him everything that she ever really thought about him, which maybe or, the or twist is, is that, that everything she ever thought or not, you know, well, that's is it the, the thing we don't really know. And maybe no. that's the twist is that it turns out she did think all these things. Maybe she didn't, but we have yeah. no way to know because the show has not been consistent even in this episode so, about what yeah. happens when you yeah. become a vampire. I mean, like it's really brutal for his mother to turn against him, and it's a nice twist for her to, like, admit, oh, I actually never liked you. Right. But we can't trust what's actually happening emotionally because we we don't know the rules because the rules change all the time yeah. to, like, fit the story, <clears throat> which is the downfall of them doing it this way. And so I was like, I really want to buy into this emotional moment Same, for yeah, but it was... And, like, and, and also buy into the fact that him coming to terms with his mother would somehow break the trigger, but I can't do that because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And I I guess then that's the other thing is it's like, is Spike himself so special? (laughs) I like, I wish they would at least say that. Like, is he more emotional or I just, yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously at this point that ask that description of vampires is so clearly doesn't hold up based on the last several seasons of the show. I'm happy to discard it, but I wish they would at least make some effort to, like, meld these two... You you know, to acknowledge that, like, that was what Buffy used to think, and now we know it's a little more complicated. I just wish they had paid a little more lip service to that over the last couple seasons, so that when they do things like this, it wouldn't be completely unrecognizable as, like, a mythos, you know? Or we would understand what we're supposed to be thinking, because there's a difference between Spike telling Buffy we actually are capable of love, which he does. You know, like he and Drew obviously had feelings for each other. Angel and Darla, or Darla at least had feelings for Angel in some way. Like we've seen these vampires exhibit the ability to love, but that is very different from carrying their human tendencies of like Spike being really romantic and passionate and like rebuffed and, you know, Becoming a vampire should have eliminated all of that from him. And in the past, I actually feel like they've shown us flashbacks where that happens. Like, hmm. he kind of goes and gets revenge on all these people. So Right, right. I, to me, like, so weird. they're yeah. just not bridging the gap between those two 
there's and two I think outcomes. What, what kind of would make sense too, right, is like the way that they start out the show with Angel. He's so bad as a vampire. You know, maybe there is sort of this like it's a range, you know, like sometimes you're it's I don't know. Sometimes it has almost nothing to do with you. And sometimes there's a lot of you left. Like maybe there is some some gradient, <laughs> you know, and Spike is really hard on the other side and Angel is really far on the other one. But like, again, they just never say this, I think. But yeah, just just to say it, though, like it just really kills me that they mix that up in the same exact storyline. It's not like, oh, this whole episode, they treat it one way and you and I are asking questions of is that consistent with the whole series? It's literally in Spike's exact storyline. They do both of them like just pick a side and tweak the story. And it, and it kind of feels like they're doing it that way to try to make this parallel with Wood's story. It does where feel like that. Spike's mother didn't choose him and Wood's mother didn't choose him. And they, you know, like his mother is choosing to be free of this burden that she's saying that she had and Wood's mother is choosing the mission. So hers is perhaps a little more noble, but they're trying to make this connection where they both are suffering because they felt abandoned by their mothers. Right. But I just don't think that works. No. And I think it's tough too, just because the only voice that we get for Nikki, uh, principal Wood's mother, you know, her motivations ends up being spike, which is fine because I think it's obvious that he's trying to taunt and hurt Robin specifically with the things that he says. But again, I really got the impression that the show mostly believes what Spike is saying, which is like, if your mother really loved you, she would have made a different choice. And it was just ludicrous words. Choice. They said the word choice so many times. And I was like, slayers are literally chosen. This whole season is about all the slayers that are going to be chosen. Like it's not their choice. Like, I mean, sure. She could have run off with her baby, but like, and then what? Like, just be hunted by demons her whole life? Like, it's not like she had... no slayer out there? Yeah, it's like yeah. she didn't have a... She didn't really have a choice. So, like, I... It, it, I guess a little bit of it is, like, maybe that's the point, is that, like, Spike's mom maybe really didn't love him, but he's able to write the story the way he wants to remember it and move on with his life. And Wood's mother clearly, I think, loved him and had a really... dealt a, Was dealt a really bad hand and like did her best like like Woods is really the one who should be able to make peace with the fact that like his mother did awesome things and was a really cool woman and a cool slayer and it is sucks that she died but she really loved him like why isn't Wood able to make this leap you know I guess because that's, the show is trying to twist the knife. So, like, they're showing us, like, and, like, saying, oh, they did it your mother way. never chose you over the mission, and here's Buffy, and guess what? She, once again, chooses the mission over you. Like, yeah. the show is, like... I mean, we're so mean to Wood, right? Yeah. Like, he didn't really deserve that. I guess, to be fair, he's been carrying this with him for years, and he really needs to find a way to deal with it and move on, because it's, like I said, it's so obvious to me this isn't worth carrying around, you know, like I get it. But like, if it wasn't spike, it was going to be someone else. You know, his mother was yeah. never going to live this long into his life. And okay. for being so familiar with, with watchers and with slayers, he really should have been able to make that close that gap by now that like, it really sucks that my mom was taken from me and this is unfair. So I'm going to continue to hunt demons and protect the slayers as long as I can, like get, get over it, you know? Yeah, and also the show is making this, like, really dramatic thing, and they also undercut it because Giles, once he gets a couple context clues, knows exactly who Wood is and who killed his mother. Yeah, He's like, it's true. oh, you're Nikki Wood's son. Spike killed her. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sure. I and, mean, like, and Spike I, is treating that as, like, oh, that sucks, man, but it's not this, like, existential crisis that the show has been treating it as for, like, two episodes, so. I mean, I understand wanting to have those two come into conflict, right? Like it would be impossible not to, I don't even mind that would wants revenge on spike. I think that makes a lot of sense. It even if sense. he, even if he were more capable of, even if he had dealt more capably with his emotions and the fallout of his mother's death, I think he would still want revenge on spike. And I think that's okay. But what I, yeah. So it's like, I don't really mind that. I just think there's so many details that they're just getting wrong. Why is Giles the one to help him set this up? Does Giles really believe that Buffy isn't capable of making these choices and these judgments? Like, I just don't think that makes sense. Like, we spent six seasons with Giles learning to respect Buffy as her own person. <laughs> so I guess, I don't know if I'm mad at Giles or I'm mad at the show. It's like really, it's hard to say, right? Like, I'm not sure I'm who's little, at fault here. I, I think, think I'm a little mad at Giles or the yeah. way he's being written because... 
He has made his peace with Buffy not needing him to be her watcher, and this kind of comes across as him trying to reassert some kind of control over yeah, the Yeah, it's so bizarre. But they're also trying to, I think, use the history of Giles doing the hard thing to make a case that like he's sure. the one who would do this or could do this, which is like make the hard choice so Buffy doesn't have to, right? Like, But Giles then he should be the ben one murdering. Like, did all these things, but like, this is a choice that he has to make, and it's pretty obvious. I think if that's the case, though, Giles needs to suck it up and murder Spike himself, right? Like, why did he yeah. go along with this ridiculous plan? He doesn't really know Wood's capabilities. <laughs> you know, we know that Wood is strong and, and is a good fighter, but, like, Spike has bested two slayers. We really think he can't best this guy? Like, I don't know. I just... I. If that were, I agree with you. I think that is a little bit of what they're going for. But again, it just like all falls apart because if Giles were really going to make the hard choice, you know, like the way he killed Ben was when he was da- kicked him when he was down. The way he would kill Spike is when he's chained up in the basement, you know? Yeah. Why go through this, all these convoluted efforts just to let Wood, a guy he barely knows, get revenge on, on Spike? Like, it's just so silly. Well, I think Giles is also maybe looking for a reason to kind of keep his hands clean. Maybe. It's just such a weird version of Giles. I guess it I just, is. I don't really feel like it's really accurate with where we've been. But that's so. Okay, I think that's that's the problem with this season is like. Exactly. We've seen a lot of really good character growth. I really like where Xander and Dawn have ended up. Mm-hmm. I like where Willow is. But like Buffy and Giles, it's like the show totally forgot like the last seven years of history. And they're mm-hmm. just trying to manufacture conflict and like actions out of. A history that doesn't exist like yeah you know Giles they're like warping Giles into some kind of like second guesser of Buffy and you know kind of wet works guy and <laughs> Buffy is yeah. like you know doubted at every turn as if she hasn't proved herself constantly so which is yeah. the thing we're not done with either which is annoying but to me, like the thing that's frustrating is like it feels like they're only doing this to like generate false drama to make I agree it, it does feel like we, that get towards the finale where it's like, we could have spent a lot more time with all of this and not... And honestly, yeah. Honestly, I think we could have told this exact story with Spike and Wood without needing to bring Buffy and Giles into it. Like, it's not unreasonable that Buffy would just let Spike go off with Principal Wood. You know what I mean? Like, why didn't they just say, okay, for now, until we get this trick? Why didn't they just say that to Buffy? Like, I don't think she needed to be tricked into letting Spike go off with a person who they think is a friend, you know? So it's like... They didn't have to have the Giles Buffy thing that's so bad to have the Spike and Wood episode, I don't think. Yeah, no, I agree. They didn't need to drag down the other characters just to make that comp. They didn't need to add that comp. I think it's because they're trying to build up to the next episode or two, right? But whatever. I just really sounds funny them trying to like download Wood on Spike's history. As a way to kind of, like, or Buffy was trying to do it as a way to kind of, like, talk him down a little bit. And, like, maybe if they had done a better job with that, then some of this, I don't know. It all, I guess it still all feels really manufactured to me. Maybe you're right. Maybe this is all in service of their trying to lead up to, you know, certain yeah plots. I think so. Um, whatever. I, although I do, I do think it's funny that... Wood thinks the military gave Spike a soul. Right. <laughs> Wait, they did? I did enjoy that bit. Because the military gave him a soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I don't have too much more to say about this episode, although I do think it's interesting that Willow doesn't tell Buffy about Angelus, and I wonder if it's just to not give her one extra thing yeah. to worry about out That's there. That's a good point. Probably. And I think so. Willow's probably pretty confident that she can fix the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. And maybe um, at that point, she also knows that she might be able to bring Faith back. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little weird, but I'd, I could let that one slide. Despite all these things that we're saying, I guess I just do want to reiterate that I actually, I think, like, the idea of the narrative of this episode is good. And I did like the flashbacks even mind Spike skewing them in a totally inaccurate way because I think that's the sort of thing Spike would do. I wish the show had just given a little more solid frame to it so that we could say like, yeah, Spike said Nikki didn't really love Robin, but we know that's not true. And I just wish they had put a little more structure behind it so that it was clear that these were Spike's opinions. I don't think they meant them that way, which is why they didn't do it. But I think 
that would have made this episode stronger to just be like, this is just Spike. And he's just messing with this guy because he's mad that he's trying to kill him, <laughs> which is fat fair. Yeah. Do you not like the Spike thing though? You haven't responded to that. And I've said it like three times. Oh, like his flashbacks. Yeah. They, no, I you don't like them at all. <laughs> I, it's not that I didn't like them at all. I just, I, I think I got really burned out on the flashbacks last season Mm. or two seasons ago whenever they were really going deep on the like Angel and Darla flashbacks. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just and I think my issue with the Spike flashbacks here is not it's it's always a little bit enjoyable to see them while they're human or new vampires, but I I don't think they showed us anything that we didn't really already know or hadn't seen before. Um and so I think my issue with them is that they weren't really used to effect. So mm any effect really in my mind we didn't know about his mom i guess we had never seen her before but again i just don't think that that was used effectively because all that did was make me angry about the vampire rules so yeah i guess (laughs) it's true my thing about the flashbacks is like i think i would like them better you know it's always good to see drusilla again um Mm -hmm. but i just think their ultimate effect kind of undercut having them at all yeah, that's probably true. Was your memory of this episode that you liked it though? Yeah, because I feel like we were both My looking forward to watching this one. My memory of the whole like, I definitely wood was. Spike thing was a lot more positive. <laughs> yeah, I definitely knew I had that lingering question though. I about like I always think the way they conclude it is weird. I definitely yeah. have honestly. Had that My memory for a of this time. whole season is a lot more positive. <laughs> well, that's true. That part I did know. <laughs> That I didn't like this season, <laughs> but whatever. I've always been a season seven defender. Okay. I'm not sure <laughs> can still mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> I can't wait until we redo our episode. Oh our my season gosh! Rankings. Yeah, we have to do like a recap episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do. All right, <laughs> let's move Speaking on to Angel. Of not liking. Boy, oh boy! This is, I, I wish okay. I'd watched so the inside- movie Kaylee <laughs> Pixar movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode is called Inside Out. It had nothing to do with Mindy Kaling or emotions. Well, maybe it, whatever. <laughs> uh, I think I griped to you a little bit about this before we started recording. I think my biggest problem with Angel overall, the show, especially this season, is that like when we try to do these episodes synopsis, synopses, whatever, um, it's like, what happened in this episode? Like the story is all over the place. And I mean like the plot, like every character has to go through 20 steps to like get to the end to make some kind of incoherent mess. So like I'll do my best with this other than like, this is the episode that Cordelia gives birth to a demon. There's like no top line summary. Cause that doesn't even cover almost everything that else that happened in this episode. Right. So like, okay. Uh, where, you know, as as has been the trend this season, all these episodes follow exactly on the back of the previous one. So in the beginning of this one, everybody is confronting is confronting Cordelia because they've sussed out that she is, in fact, pulling the string. She's this master of the beast or whatever. So they try to confront her. They don't they're not sure if it's really Cordelia or for something, you know, controlling her, or acting in her stead or whatever. But before they can capture her or really get good answers. Connor comes in, doesn't know or understand what's happening, and he helps Cordelia escape. So Cordelia and Connor have their own storyline where, you know, she continues to emotionally manipulate him and say horrible, gross things all the time. She's pregnant and wants him to protect her and their baby and tells him the only way to do this is I need to have the baby now instead of a couple weeks from now because we're going to keep getting hunted. And the, the way to have the baby now is for you to kill an innocent person and put their blood on me. So they do that. And Connor has this vision. You know, Connor is... I feel for Connor. Connor is in a rough place. He's not sure he wants to kill this innocent girl that he's drummed up for Cordelia. And she ends up doing the actual killing, but not before Connor has a vision of... Darla's his mother Mm -hmm. sure whatever okay so that happens they are able to have her pregnant you know have her give birth now she gives birth to a burst of light that transforms into Gina Torres (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with that part (laughs) um and at the end you know that's that's roughly where their plot line ends meanwhile Angel and the team don't know what to do they decide to seek help from the powers that be, or at least their, you know, line of communication to it. Angel goes 
to wherever he goes when he tries to consult them and find Skip, the demon that we've seen many times. <sighs> and Skip basically reveals that all of this has been for show. Every time we've seen Skip, he has been, in fact, working for somebody else. Uh, Cordelia never ascended. All of this has been a means to an end of getting Connor, the son of two vampires, to be able to help birth whatever it is that Cordelia is giving birth to or something. That's my best attempt at explaining what they said. I don't really know. So they bring Skip back to the hotel. They're trying to figure out what's been happening. Skip pretty much tells them everything that's ever happened up until this point has been some sort of manipulation to get Cordelia to this point. Like everything up to season one. Yeah. We'll go back to that. We'll come back to that. Regardless, it turns out, you know, of course, the only way to stop this bad thing from happening is that somebody needs to kill Cordelia before she can give birth to whatever this thing is. And Angel decides that he's going to do it. So he runs off, you know, they magically locate where Cordelia and Connor are. He runs off to it. And right before he can chop her head off, she gives birth and he's kind of like blown aside. And then when Gina, Tor- demon baby, Gina Torres, whatever it is, appears, baby. fully grown, ador- fully grown adult baby, Gina Torres appears, Angel and Connor are both like in awe of her. And that's how the episode ends. Where to start? <sighs> I want to, so, I... I know where I want to start. Okay. Maybe it's the same place I want to start. Well, obviously, we've been fearing the Cordelia aspect of this story. Yes. And I, before we get into that, I just want to say, even if the Cordelia and the pregnant, like the weirdness of what the, whatever they're doing with Charisma Carpenter, whatever they're doing with Cordelia, even that aside, this episode was effing terrible. <laughs> I hated everything about this episode. This is the worst episode of television I think I've ever seen. I hated it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm so mad. That's where I start. That's where I'm starting. Where are you starting? (laughs) Well, I'm going to say that I don't think this is the worst episode of television I've ever seen. It's definitely going to be in the bottom 10, but not so much because I think it's like technically terrible. It's because I just... Everything about this episode is exactly everything that is so terribly wrong with this season, with this this plot line, with Mm -hmm. this treatment of Cordelia, treatment of Charisma Carpenter, all of it. It's so frustrating to watch because where I wanted to start was to ask you if you even understand what's supposed to have happened. No, I don't. I I don't. don't. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. What I don't understand is, did this thing take over Cordelia upon her ascension or her dissension? It's not clear at all. And also, Skip is claiming that all of these events were done in in service of this one thing, which, I'm sorry, but that's bullshit. That's so crazy to me, It's a retcon that they're trying to write into... And, and they, they don't but, have to write in. Why does all of this have to be? Why can't it just be that a demon like hitched a ride on the way down? Like, also, why does it have to be everything does, about Cordelia's entire character arc was but, not but, her doing? Or but, like, Skip coming in and he's like, oh, you think she ascended because she's like such a saint? Huh. I mean, and it's like, um, no, nobody even thought it was because she was such a saint. Skip told her when she ascended it wasn't because she was such a saint. So, like, to come in and rewrite all of that is, like, completely ridiculous. And to say that Wesley only slept with Lila because it was this. Fred only opened the portal. Lauren only came from Pelea. <laughs> so like, Gun's sister got killed. So crazy. And, like, <laughs> Darla. Like, all of this. They basically turned the entire show into the the machinations of this demon, which is ridiculous. I know, I know. And that's what is so, I agree with you. And they can't and like, even explain what happened in a manner that's clear enough. Like, I can't even tell you that oh, the I'm demon sorry, did the all demon of these is things. And then itself? at this point, this is when it took over because they don't even seem to know. Because, because it's like, they're like, oh, when she ascended. And it's like, uh-huh, and then what? So, like, the view that we saw of Cordelia while she was ascended, was that Cordelia? Was that the demon being bored out of their mind? Did the demon somehow don't do something on her way back? down when did she get pregnant like what is happening i agree and that's why i don't understand why he retconned the whole show <laughs> like all he had to do was say something hitched a ride when she came back and that would have been sufficient right like that still would have been a bad story for charisma carpenter but like the show would still be intact 
like he literally throughout the whole show this all this has just been a big joke i was like i is this just meta commentary about how you know what writers have been writing this show the whole time but even the writers who've been writing this show in the real world this whole time did not write every single storyline with the thought that one day cordelia was gonna give birth to some demon and that was the whole point of it like that's so bad this I'm also, sorry. On a technical level, is it a level, meta this, commentary that the writers this whole time have been like, "We don't know what we're we doing." I believe that. It's so bad. I'm so, technically this episode is a hot mess. Everything about it is a disaster. I'm sorry. Okay, so yes, Skip. Skip's been bad this whole time. Sure. Okay, so first of all, we're ba- we're throwing out every bit of character growth that Cordelia's ever have, which is which Cordelia's ever had, which is of course the biggest sin of this episode because they really just put the nail in the coffin. We hate Cordelia. All of that you thought was growth was just a a means to an end and she wasn't even in control of it and it wasn't as good as you remember it being sure also on a meta note the only good part about this entire show everything that's been like silver lining (laughs) oops that was a fake out we didn't mean it and none she didn't mean any of it sure that's i think to me of course the biggest sin but even that aside they're saying none of it mattered and then confusingly explaining how the hell this demon-ish thing is so power... Like, okay, also, the powers that be have always, for me, been a huge weak link in the show because they didn't make any sense, but we've always been led to believe that they are essentially the gods of this universe, right? Like, nothing is higher than them. But they've been getting fooled this whole time? Like, I assume we're going to get a little bit more explanation on it, but just, like, yes, like, on a, like... purely narrative and plot level, I don't understand who Skip is, who the powers are, or how any of that interaction went down. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Skip is implying that the powers that be are, like, staying out of it because they don't want to get involved, but, like, it's their visions that are at stake here, so, like, which, by the way, Cordelia hasn't gotten a vision in, like, forever, so it's like, you would think the powers would care on some level that their bidding is not being carried out. But I don't know if that, that doesn't make sense. What you're saying, I know that you're right in what the episode said, but it doesn't make, then why was Skip in their little vestibule? Like, why is any of this, like, why are they so out of control? It just doesn't make any sense. So fine, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But the part that really, I lost it when Darla showed up. Because there was not even a nod to any explanation as to how that was happening. She just so mystically has a connection with her son. If the powers have washed or their hands the power, with it, exactly. how is Darla there? Because exactly. the implication I took from it is that yeah. it's the powers that be that are coming yeah. to Connor to try yep. to help yep. out. But it's like, but what? Why then? <laughs> and not, not this whole time. Or why not when Angel was literally seeking you out? Why Connor? Why this? Anyway, that just, that killed me. That was well, where I was I like, I this whole thing is Skip completely off no the rails. Because this whole time, Skip is supposed to be like this, like, whatever, like, I'm just a mercenary demon. I'm helping you out. Like, he helped Cordelia. Apparently, Skip was the demon who was guarding Billy. I thought we decided he wasn't. No, he was. Uh, he was. I, I think he was. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I don't really... I couldn't remember, and I, I didn't have time to go back and check that. I thought I had decided that he wasn't that demon, and they just looked similar, but apparently he was, and he let Angel win, mm-hmm. and then, like... He's actually super evil and working for the beast and like this whole time. It's like I none of this makes sense. And I can keep saying that. And I think it's just that's the answer is that none of this is done well. None of it makes sense. This is a huge retcon that was a stupid idea. And I'm so sorry. What was wrong with shopping bags hiding her pregnancy? Really? I don't know. Like this is where we've ended up. But again, you don't. Just to be mad at Charisma Carpenter or to decide that we can't write characters about, we can't write women's arcs very well. That sin aside, they didn't have to throw out everything else in the show. Like, it doesn't, it also just doesn't make sense. Skip said, oh, that like Fred, that's why you opened the book. Lauren, that's why you escaped Pilea, right? Like, he gave them all this laundry list of all the decisions that they had made to get them to this point. But they, I have to say, were inessential to the, the rest of that happening. Like I I get it that on a like fate level of storytelling, everybody's decision determines everything. And so in that sense, yes, everything that ever happened had to happen exactly this way, but like really logistically speaking, they didn't need to be involved in angel Cordelia and Connor for them to have this baby. I don't think, I think that was like also a stretch. Like, Anyway, none of them did anything. Why are they there? Like, yeah, if that was all like the, like the plot pulling, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. None of them were 
integral to any of that happening. So why why does that matter? And and I also the thing that really pissed me off about Darla too, speaking mm. of mm-hmm. them being horrible to women, is that mm-hmm. they bring Darla back mm-hmm. for her to so that the show can make an effort to show Connor's conflict. Like Connor is about to kill this innocent girl at Cordelia's behest because he's so manipulated and confused and messed up and Darla is apparently trying to reach through to him saying, mm-hmm. you are better than this. As if Connor hasn't killed people before, but sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Connor shoved his father in the bottom of the ocean and Darla didn't bother to show up. So, Well, he only killed people he at least thought were guilty of something. I guess. But, okay. He's, he's pretty much only killed demons. Person, yeah. And they're showing his conflict. We spend, like, ten minutes of Connor, you know, hemming and hawing about, like, yeah. what he's supposed to do. And they couldn't even do the same to Cordelia. They just make her evil off screen. Right, like, right. Cordelia's right. struggle with this. Like, Skip is like, oh, it's still her, but like, she's not doing the driving. And it's like, okay, so what does that where mean? is Cordelia? Where yeah. is her consciousness? Like, what is happening? And also, in the same moment with Darla, they're undercutting their entire thing about Cordelia because Darla is saying, I have, she's saying of herself as ghost Darla or mm-hmm. whatever. Because mm-hmm. Connor's like, you're not her. And he's mm-hmm. like, she's like, I have her memories, her thoughts. Isn't that right. what makes a person who <laughs> right. they are? Right. And so right. is this the show trying to say that since this demon has Cordelia's thoughts and emotions, that it's still Cordelia? While at know. the same time trying mm-hmm. to say, sorry, yeah. Cordelia's not home. Like, it's a great point. I, That's a great point. Also, I just... it just made me so angry because they're just, again, forget all the retcon nonsense, but even their explanation is completely undercut in the same episode by it their sure attempt is. to yeah. give Connor the benefit of the doubt. You're right, and I hadn't noticed that because I was so focused on the way they had brought Darla back in this episode just to remind us of the other time they couldn't write a pregnancy storyline, you know, without killing the woman. Like, that was... I was like, oh, you just want to remind us of how you've pretty much already done this exact same thing because you don't know how to write women's arcs. I think they do okay writing, writing women characters, right? Like, I the facets of, like... Fred and Cordelia and and Darla to some extent are like interesting, but like you sure as hell don't know what to do with them, Uh, especially when they get pregnant in real life. It just is hopeless. Like I, yeah, it was just so bad. Also like she's constantly being like, you know, to, to goad Connor into this, like it's for our baby. Like, is that a reason that Connor, like I just, to me, that's a huge red flag. Like, I, I also want to give Connor... I know I'm, like, complaining about how the show is giving him the benefit of the doubt by undercutting their Cordelia message, and they are, but, like, this doesn't really speak very well of Connor that he is just, like, buying this or oh. and, like, doesn't see any of this as, like, a huge <laughs> red flag. Like, I know Connor has been... Poor Connor has been... I know, I disagree. ...manipulated I, yeah. and tugged and pulled beyond belief. Like, Since how he's birth. even functioning, I yeah. don't even know. Like... Poor guy. Like, I really want to say I, I understand Connor is truly the victim here. He really is. I, he really is. I actually... But also, like, that he doesn't see any of this as a red flag. I think he sort of does. Alarming. I, I actually think that's... I think Connor is the only thing... It's it's really hard to say I like him because or his storyline because it's so awful and gut-wrenching. I It's, it's really above, above and beyond on the, like creepy and sad scale, I think. But I actually think it's really consistent because thinking about it, Connor spent the first 17-ish years of his life being manipulated by Holtz. And that's like his version of what, like the only model for love and a relationship that he has is pretty much Holtz. And then he was kind of thrown into this world where everything you know, everything that he told was told was a lie. He hasn't really had that much time to deal with it. But I guess really what I'm saying is that, like, really, he still, I think, thinks fondly of Holtz. And how could he not? Because he was the only person he had contact with for 17 years. So I feel like the way that Cordelia is treating him is pretty much the same way as Holtz treated him. And I think that's, like, a pretty true-to-life thing, which is that, like, when you you get in... You, it, relationships can kind of imprint on you and, like, the patterns of them. So I can totally see him... This feels normal to him. And I think he is asking questions. He really has hesitated throughout this whole episode. So it's like he knows that it's not right, but he's never seen anything else, really. Right? Like, he's only had moments with Angel where he can show him what a real father would do or would, you know. But even Angel can't totally nail that because Connor is just so out of control. So it's just, I really feel for Connor. I he really is the victim here. And I, I, I think it's totally believable that he's spent his whole life being manipulated. So he thinks that's what a normal loving relationship is. I think that's a really good point actually. And 
I also think it's really interesting where the initial manipulation of Connor brought him to a place where you would think he's irredeemable, right? Like Mm -hmm. him nailing Angel in a box and sinking him to the bottom of the ocean. Like, we've talked about this before. How do you bring your character back from that? And it turns out the only way to do that is to have him then totally manipulated by someone else. Completely brought down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and to really see that, like, nothing this guy has done has ever been his own thoughts and actions and you know fred says in this episode oh she's been grooming him to be her champion and grooming grooming is such a great word here because like that's what holtz was doing too that's what abusers do with their victims that's like you know connor has only ever been groomed by somebody his whole life like connor has never had free will or thought of his own and even angel yeah. In trying to undo what Holtz has done, could be argued, was trying to groom Connor into something else as well. So, mm-hmm. it's tough. yeah, I I guess Connor's the only innocent party here. But Him and the girl they kill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just really feel for him. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, I feel like, a, you know, a season ago I was saying, God, I hate Connor and I'll never forgive him for anything. But I, I really have turned the corner on Connor. I just, it's just so sad that it's also not enjoyable at all to watch it happen this way. You know what I mean? But sure I guess I so Connor being the it's not that I like him he's just the only thing in this episode that made a lick of <laughs> a lick of sense right like his story and his arc I could follow like on a very logical level I know what's happened with him so in that sense Connor is the only part of this episode that stuck together for me the only other thing that I liked only other things that I liked is um Angel and Wesley getting a moment, right, where they find out what really happened to Lila, and Angel kind of does have this, they're never going to clearly apologize the way that I want them to, but I felt like this, they at least had a scene where Angel said, well, it matters because it mattered to you, and I thought that was a really nice, like, supportive way of saying this. So I like that moment that they got. Also, apparently Wesley's, like, manipulation was just sleeping with the enemy, I mean, right. So what? that he could bring Lila in to be killed, I guess. It doesn't make I, any sense. No, it doesn't no, make it any doesn't sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. The other thing I'm going to stop yelling about that because I, it's not going to change it. It's just the answer is it does mm-hmm. not make sense. It's hard to say that I like this. And maybe this is more of a like, <laughs> I hated everything about this. So I just like latched onto something. I feel like the way when it was so hokey and cheesy, but Cordelia being evil and they gave her this like dramatic classical violin music behind her. And I actually sort of liked it. I was like, maybe if this show committed to being creepy and dark, maybe I could enjoy that version of the show. (laughs) Not now thrown in at the last minute for no reason. You know, it didn't make any sense in this episode. Like aesthetically is like, we've never really been here before. (laughs) So it was nonsense to have it here. But there was a couple times where I was like, I might be able to enjoy that. <laughs> anyway, those are my thoughts. That's the old, I was just trying to have something nice to say. I could enjoy a creepier version of Angel. If they could do it right. They just have never been able to do it right. It's not funny Honestly, enough. It's not like, creepy enough. It's not gray enough. It's not black and white enough. It's just like a mess. It's just a mess. A disaster. I'm just going to be really uncharitable here. And I just think the writing staff of Angel was really bad. <laughs> They were, honestly. They've I feel never succeeded where they couldn't fail. Like, Yeah. It's such just, a good way of saying it. <laughs> uh, like, they, yeah, they just never, ever, you know, I don't, I don't know what sports metaphor I want to use here mm. or something, but they just, they just can't nail it. And they it's can't. so frustrating because this feels intentionally bad, like an intentional swerve that, didn't need to happen. And I don't know what the original plan was for this season and but how, it's still like, involved. what exactly got changed or mm-hmm. who was originally supposed to be the villain. But, like, this just does not make a whole lot of sense. I think that's the problem, too, is, like, the defense the defense of, like, well, they had to do something because Charisma Carpenter was pregnant. But everything that I've read, maybe I'm wrong about this, but everything that I've read suggested that this, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say her name is Jasmine, right? Gina Torres showing up. That was always meant to happen. Whether or not it was supposed to be Gina Torres or that was supposed to be Charisma Carpenter or whatever, like the the general story was still supposed to be there. So, so like, I guess that's what I'm saying is like all the sins to Charisma Carpenter aside, this still would have been garbage. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Were they always planning to retcon the whole show? Right. I don't know. I don't know. know. And so, yeah. 
Yeah. We'll see. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. That's it. That's all. I don't have any. I don't okay. Know. I was going to try to do one positive note as I well. I gave my positives. Yes. Okay. So this is Roy from The Office? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's it. That's what I have that's positive. Oh. <laughs> so they brought Skip back. But even Skip they ruined. Like, Skip was such a fun, like, Clem-type character. Yeah, they totally ruined Skip. Whatever. Although the way Wesley killed him was pretty cool. That was cool. The gun, the action was so bad, though. The, like, we don't need to do... Everything about this is the Matrix style. The sound, the way they do the sound, the way they do the slow motion, everything about that was bad. But I agree with you that, like, at least he landed a shot. They have... Wesley always has guns, and they're always completely pointless. So at least he, like, did something. I don't something. think Wesley's proven in the past that he is a good shot. No, I, I, I guess I it just And I actually think that that matter. came into play the last time Cordelia was pregnant. Maybe you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Mm. Ugh, I hate this so much. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if somebody listening really likes this, I'm, I just, I mean, I, this if, is, no, I'm here's not, the thing. it's if not you possible really to like convince this, me. Please tell us why. Exactly. It's not possible to convince me, but I would definitely entertain, like, what are the merits to this? <laughs> Dear God, what am I missing? <laughs> please tell me. Tell us what you like about them rewriting every character arc on the show ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's move on to to other media because this has been pretty disappointing. Okay, all right. Let's let's talk about, um, well, first, next time we have Dirty Girls. Mm -hmm. Well, at least one good thing about that episode. To that episode a lot. Mm -hmm. And shiny, happy people. We'll find out. So R.E.M. is showing up, I guess. Yep. Yep. Is that who sings that? (laughs) <laughs> I'm taking so. you at I your word. I might not be right about that. Mm, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Because uh, I'm not going to bother to look at it. I'm looking at it now. Okay. Um, it is R.E.M. Okay. Jenny, do you want to tell us your pop culture that you didn't want to tell us oh, at the God. beginning? I, I do. Oh, God. Do I know what it is? Are <laughs> we going to fight? No, no, no. We're not going to fight. No, no, no. It has <laughs> nothing to do with anything I don't think that we've talked about. Um, so it's not really a recommendation <laughs> so much as a, a little story. Um Okay, so we did watch all of The Witcher on Netflix. Oh my god, that was going to be mine. It was? Yes, Wait, I'm I shocked. knew it. Okay, <laughs> I'm sh- I thought you were going to do Little Women. Oh, well, I could do that. Uh, no, 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 that's fine. Okay, so, wait, you liked The Witcher, though, or you didn't? Well, I, I mean, did Why like are you going to bring it up? Okay, I, there, I have so many... I, I think in the media, the narrative is like, The Witcher is Netflix's attempt to do Game of Thrones, and I honestly think that is what Netflix thinks they're doing it's so not that so like i think they're really failing on a creative level but as a piece of media i thought it was like so like i can turn off my brain and just watch some swords and some fighting and some henry cavill and like i'm here for it but the real thing that i wanted to say is that did you have did you happen to see katie heaney's take on it yes damn it (laughs) it's like it made my life like I, I also saw your reply on Twitter. So oh my you god! This <laughs> Damn it! Why do I do things? I never write anything on Twitter. I know that's why I was like, oh wow. <laughs> I literally, obviously, watching it was like, well, obviously, I'm gonna play around with my eye makeup just for fun at home to look like Yennefer because she looks great. <laughs> and so I Googled Yennefer eye makeup because I was assuming that even that quickly somebody had done a tutorial on it. And it not people have, but they're mostly based on the video game. So instead what I found was Katie Heaney's review in um, New York magazine that's entitled the best part of the Witcher is the eyeshadow, which yes, <laughs> accurate is the show is fine. It's not like breaking new ground, but it's no. fine. But, but really, I actually thought it was really easy and enjoyable to watch. <laughs> Her, her review, I was like, this is, you could have literally pulled this from my brain. I'm reading here. The show is pretty good, though I rarely have any idea what is happening. Henry Cavill sounds exactly like Geralt from the video game, and this impresses me to a degree even I don't understand. But what's really great about the show, what I'm here to tell you about today, is the eye makeup. Like, that is 100% my review. Why is it so fascinating that Henry Cavill sounds like the guy in the video game? Like, it is, though. Like, I love it. I love that he sounds exactly like him. And also, side note, Alex plays Witcher, so I have heard it a lot in the background. Anyway. I have not heard the video game, but do you want to know? Please tell my me. My assumption is they cast him because he sounds like the guy. Because well, yes, because he he's not great. <laughs> well, you know that he that's not true. He is a huge fan and like campaigned for himself to get this role. Okay, but 
like oh, when maybe he has that's to why. be like super serious, like he's not great. When he's comedic, he's fantastic. It's true. But that I think honestly is because Geralt is such a like dumb character. <laughs> I hate him, but I love him. Whatever. I don't care. I did really like the first um in the first episode, there's like a cool uh showdown in the street with like a sword fight. I thought the sword fight was really exciting. They haven't done enough of that though. So the first episode is the only one where I really got the sense that Netflix was trying to be like, this is our new Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I feel like they kind of let the show be what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wants to be a Xena Hercules style <laughs> throwback. It does. Because <laughs> it's like got the whole magical creatures yeah. angle. I mean, I think that's why I really liked it. I think it reminded that's why me I like of watching it. like, you know, the legendary journey or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's so like of- cheesy and throwbacky in a way that is like really satisfying. Like I'm oh. like, if you dig too deep on any single one of these storylines they're terrible but if you just watch it and are like it's just sword fighting and cool creatures like it's awesome wait okay sorry i've talked the whole time so tell me your thoughts no it's okay this is your recommendation um i so i i watched it because claire told me it was good and i was already it was kind of already on my watch list and i was like yeah i mean i i could like watch a fantasy or whatever and it was only eight episodes so i was like this is not a huge commitment and I also want to say that I've never read the books or played the game, so I didn't know, like, anything about this except that Henry Cavill was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I had also seen the thing about the eyeshadow, so I was like, okay. <clears throat> and so then, like, knowing that Yennefer is supposed to be this, like, beautiful woman with, like, eyeshadow, I'm, like, watching the first episode, like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> or the second episode, I guess. But I, I was actually really proud of myself because I've watched enough and read enough fantasy to kind of know some of the tropes. So, like, yeah. immediately I was like... I'm pretty sure these aren't the same timeline because, like, in the first episode, like, the city gets, like, demolished and people are, like, still talking about it. Right. I thought he was going to end up being, like, her father or something. Mm -hmm. And then I was sort of right. But, like, it's... Every little trope about it, I actually really enjoyed. I mean, like, this is a show where, like, a man is turned into, like, a hedgehog. Like, that's his (laughs) curse. And you're just, like, it's, like, a total WTF, like, kind of thing. But, like, if you just go with it, it's actually really satisfying to watch on that level. And that's what I mean where I think if Netflix started out with this as, like, their Game of Thrones show, they quickly, either that got pushed to the wayside or the show runners just did what they wanted to do because... I this think they still think that's what it is, which is what is a little bit weird to me. But yeah, otherwise See, I don't I, know because I feel like all the like naked lady exposition only happened in like the first episode. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Like armies haven't really been like there hasn't been as much political maneuverings mm-hmm. as like I kind of would have expected after the first episode. Um, maybe you're right, and I'm not giving them enough credit. But regardless, maybe. I don't really care what they're trying to do because I think what they ended up making is just like. It's like the first background fantasy show, you know? It's like, you could just watch it while you're doing something else. And you're not going to, like, miss a lot, because it's not that deep. But it's, it's fun. I, I mean, think it's really Jennifer fun. Jennifer has some interesting character beats, and... She's clearly I, I my favorite, even though... My I'm frustration just, with the show, or at least the first season, I'm assuming they're making more, but... They already greenlit season two. Okay, so my, my frustration with the show is it all felt pre-show, like... Yeah, for sure. Like, it's, like, this entire season was supposed to be leading up to, like, the actual show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> so I find that kind of frustrating that we spent eight episodes kind of prequel. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I don't think you're wrong. But, yeah. yeah. But, like, it was easy to watch. I mean, to, I'm, I'm saying to watch. watch it. I think it was totally entertaining. It was super entertaining. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. I watched it in, like, two days. So. Same. And I was like, I couldn't stop watching it either, even though being, like, yeah, it's not like super impressive, but it was really fun. Wow, I am really surprised and happy about all of this. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll save other recommendations for later. I thought we were going to fight about Star Wars. So I know, I'm I really thought about relieved. that too. I just can't. I mean, it's fine. I think that's also like my whole, I was saying this to someone. So we've also been watching the Lord of the Rings movies because I finally finished reading the book series last year in 2019 and so we're probably watching return of the king tonight but it's like lord the the movies are fine they're missing a lot of the like great things about the books in order to make a blockbuster type film and i'm kind of like i like don't have the energy to be mad (laughs) i think that's other than angel i don't have the energy to be mad at pop culture right now it's just like it every it, it is what it is i'm trying to i'm like taking a lot of things at face value right so that's where i'm at 
Other than clearly with Angel. Maybe it's because Angel's drained me (laughs) so deeply that I can't be mad about anything else because then I'll just wither. Yeah, it is what it is. Although I agree with you that I think the Lord of the Rings would make a great TV show. Such a shame that it wasn't the time when we were making TV shows. I mean, they are doing something on Amazon, but I, I don't know. Yeah. The movies are fine, though. I don't not like them. Uh, anyway. Yeah. They're okay. <clears throat> You're right that they're big, epic blockbuster set pieces and not much more. So. And the books are really not that. Like, that was what was the most surprising to me, having never read the whole thing. I'd only read parts of it. Was, like, it's a much quieter, smaller story than the movies make it seem. So, certainly. I mean, that's, I think, what was so infuriating about The Hobbit is, like, it right. does not need to be three movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is a small story about a hobbit going on a journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. I, I'm sympathetic, though, to the, like, again, at the time, we weren't making TV shows this way. And so to try and get a movie, you have to cut so much. And then it's like, how do you, you know, it, a lot of it is like a puzzle of, like, how do you still get all the main story beats in there in a way that's coherent? And, like, I think they are really successful in most of those aspects of it. So it just, you have to take out a lot of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I... I have not watched those movies in a really long time. Um, I think I watched them and I was like, I'm good. Mm, Legolas <laughs> is the, my favorite. I love him. I love Orlando Bloom as Legolas. I can't get over it. He's so I know you've hot. been posting um, little clips in our I know. Chat, he so. shoots his bows and arrows so fast. Ugh, I love it. I could watch him all day. Okay, I will Orlando stop. Orlando Bloom's yeah. peak. It really is. <laughs> he should have just stopped acting after that. Okay. Um, all right. Well, what team are you on? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Team Connor? Because he just, like, needs some help? I was just going to say that I think he's the only one. Like, like nobody else really did anything. No, and I'm, like, not up enough on Spike in this story to, like, you know, like, I'm not team Spike in this episode. He's fine, but he's not, like, worthy. And I just feel so bad for him. Yeah, I feel bad for Connor, too. All right, Team Connor, you're doing your best in this horrible story and this horrible life that they've given you. (laughs) (laughs) Team, we feel sorry for Connor. Yeah. Um, Also, I'm not sure when else I'll feel impelled to be on Team Connor, Mm -hmm. so. Okay, well, we'll be back with Dirty Girls and Shiny Happy People. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, can't wait. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.